It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 145 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. Returning from Iceland, Rob Martin. Yes, yes. <laughs> Returning from the land where Batman is called Bakan. <laughs> I am. Uh, I have to say I followed the pictures along with your trip, and uh, it was it was beautiful. I'm very jealous. It was a just stunning country. I, the best way I can put it is, you know, we, we did a lot of nature-y things. Uh, it was incredibly exhausting. And But I will say this. Uh, as far as, like, when we think of, like, nature out here, it's like, oh, all this stuff. Nature out there is violent. It's the best <laughs> way I can put it. Like, we, there was a beach we went to called Vic Beach. Uh, and if anybody that's listening has ever played Dragon Age Inquisition, the Storm Coast, it looks like you can 100% tell that's identical to where they got the design uh, because it looks like it just that that's exactly like they took it like shot for shot as you're walking down. It's like black sand beaches and craggy rocks. And no matter where you were, uh, anytime you drove out there, it was always raining. It was our, like always just like storms on the horizon. Like there were signs everywhere like these like do not do any of these things. Tourists die here all the time. Oh, <laughs> so. Geez. Oh, yeah, there was, like, black crosses up on all the billboards about things, and that was their symbol for tourist deaths. Um, yeah, it's it's not a very cute and cuddly country. Uh, that's the best way I can put it. It's it's stunning to look at, but, you know, like, one of our people we were with there is a very experienced hiker, and they are like, yep, I almost died. So, <laughs> one of the hikes that we didn't go on. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, but... I will say it was kind of amazing being there uh, during uh, while Game of Thrones was was happening because we actually walked through and hiked areas that were um, using they were used for filming for Game of Thrones, which was awesome. Oh, that's uh, pretty which, cool. I didn't know that part. Yeah, uh, there's a couple shots uh, I can I can send you that was areas where like the Hound and Arya were were, were together um, from like season three or season four. Uh, so yeah, we we went through several several regions that were were uh, filming locations for Game of Thrones, so it was pretty cool. But That's, yeah, it was yeah. it was awesome. It was really awesome. Yeah, like I said, yeah, I watched. I, you know, I followed along, and it looked like it, you had a great time. Yeah, yeah, it was again exhausting as all hell, but uh, just a, it was a beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. So. And then we got to uh, we got to chill out a little bit together last night. Uh, we did. Yeah, you and I and uh, your wife Kat and a bunch of our friends came over to my place actually for the first time. And we just hung out, had some BBQ, and uh, and watched the movie outside, which was a lot of fun. 
Oh, Clue is always, always the best movie in the world. Yes. It's, it's, it's just, it never gets old. Never just, gets old. Absolutely. And it always makes you smile. Uh, so yeah, so four shows to talk about this week as all the shows are back in full effect and I think probably will be until the end of the seasons, which is what, two, three weeks away at yeah, most. Yeah. Uh, not many episodes left of all of these shows. I think two, maybe, if that. Yeah. Um, Legends has three episodes left. I'm not sure how many Arrow, uh, Flash and Supergirl have, but I don't think it's many at all. Um, I believe, uh, I can tell you, I think it's three actually for all of them. I'm, I'm uh, looking now. Arrow wraps up on May 13th. Uh, Supergirl wraps up on May 19th. Legends wraps up May 20th and Flash ends on May 14th. Okay. So Flash and Arrow have two episodes left. Legends and Supergirl have three. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we're in home stretch so we're in the end uh, game yes yes which i still haven't seen i will get around to it as soon as i can oh there won't <laughs> so, be any spoilers here don't worry so uh i i'm going to attempt to see it sometime this week if humanly possible yeah and let me know because i might come with you because it's yeah. an amazing movie very cool uh special thanks to shad once again for joining us last week for filling in with, while you were away and that was a lot of fun having Shad. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna actually get a chance to listen to that probably sometime this week, just to, just to hear and see. Did did Shad complete our challenge? Did well, he try to bring everything? Well, here's back the to thing Batman? though: Shad didn't know about our challenge because the uh, week before the last like minute of our podcast got cut off. Oh no! Yeah, we lost like the last minute. So our so our challenge, uh, nobody heard because it never made the podcast. <laughs> so, but that's all right. Well, he should have known better. So, and if he didn't succeed, he's never come back on. He so, should've, well, he should have just come and did it naturally without us having to tell him there was a challenge. Absolutely. So now he's going to wonder what the hell the challenge was. Yes, but we'll, well tell him later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Everybody else is wondering now too. Like, what know. the hell are you guys talking about? So it was, we had a Batman Beyond challenge so set up for him, and like I said, unfortunately, it got cut off of the podcast. But that's all right. <laughs> Uh, let's jump into things, and we'll do that first by giving each of these episodes our one of three-point ranking, that being sidekick, hero, or legend, uh, and we will start first with Supergirl, season four, episode 19. What do you give this one, sidekick, hero, or legend? Man, it's getting a legend. Um, it was just, it's, it's continuing to be really excellent. They have not lost any momentum, even without Lex visually there but his presence is still being felt all over the episode. Um, and uh, I, I really thought they did a really great job with how they were handling James's PTSD. Uh, and honestly, the dreamer stuff was some fantastic writing. So I was really, really impressed again this week. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's a legend for me as well. And you're right. The, the underlying tone of Lex Luthor being the big bad of the season, even when he's not in the episodes is just brilliant writing uh, by these guys. So I'm, it's the season keeps getting better and better. Three episodes left, and I can't wait to see. Especially, uh, we were talking about this last night. Uh, we know what the season finale is called. Yeah, and it just made us laugh. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Which I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about uh, as we progress further. Uh, but legend for me as well, which leads me to Legends of Tomorrow, season four, episode thirteen, sidekick, hero, or legend. And very deserving of that legend as well this week. Uh, another, yeah, Legends getting a legend for me. I, I they, they've got to play with Indiana Jones finally. 
and they did a really good job of it. But we also got some really just wonderful, wonderful things that came out of it and just absurd, weird things as well. Uh, all I can say is seeing a nipple crawl across the, the floor <laughs> uh, was something kind of special. But, man, I, I got to say, I'm really looking forward to this finale. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I am, too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's a legend for me as well. You're right. We got – I think there's three stories going on in this particular episode. One of them is very obviously just for fun, uh, and then the other two pertaining to the actual story itself. But – all three of them well done. All three of them had some great moments, so it's going to be oh, fun. Oh, yeah, w- without question. Without it's gonna, question. It's going to be fun breaking that one down. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Season 7, Episode 20 of Arrow, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I didn't hate it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, That's actually, a welcome from coming back. It is. It was. And you know what? Like I said, I, I had a lot of shows to watch when I got back. I had six shows because I still had to watch – um, Supergirl and Arrow from the week prior because I didn't get a chance to watch them before I left for my trip. So I came back and powered through six episodes uh, yesterday, uh, which is a lot lot of TV to watch, um, and especially when your brain's a little tired. And but, six episodes of another show, by the way. Uh, what we do in the shadows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, we had to watch four of that. I, was, oh, okay. I, already, I already watched one and two, but okay. uh, that, was my, that was my come down from the trip show. That was your Friday palate night. cleanser. Yeah, that was my Friday night power cleanser after we got in from the airport. So, um, but yeah, I, I gotta say, like Arrow last week was it was it was in that middle, getting close to a high hero. They did a really good job with a lot of stuff, and I'm like, okay, well that was probably a fluke. And then I watched this week, so I'm like, <laughs> no, they actually kept up with it. So uh, I was actually, I thought it was cool framing. I, I, you know, it took a little bit to to get rolling, but once it did, I'm like, okay, this is really well done and really well executed. So, uh, but not enough to really tip it over because still, it's talking about a story that doesn't really have any weight. And that's, I think, where the problem lays. But it still was very deserving of a high hero. Doesn't have any weight yet, but I feel like Not it yet. potentially could. Right. Uh, yeah, going into these last two episodes of the series, but, uh, well, of the season, rather. I, you know what? I could say the series because I'm sticking with what I said last week, uh, which I know you didn't hear yet. But uh, we know, you know, that the se- the seri- the season finale this year is called You Have Saved This City. So I, I'm fully predicting that this se- this season finale will be the end of Oliver's journey and next year the 10 episodes that we're getting are just going to be a build up to crisis. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I I I'm with you on the rating. It's a high hero for me. It was a Almost identical to what you said. It took me a little while to get into the episode. Like, it took me a good, like, 10, 15 minutes to get into the episode and kind of really realize what was going on. But once I caught it and it caught my attention, I was engrossed for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I wanted – I was. It's, it was close to a legend. But, again, it was about 15 minutes or so of that episode to start. Very slow-paced. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work, uh, doing this whole, like – everybody back and forth kind of thing, kind of telling their side of the story. But then like when we got the reveal of everything, I'm like, Oh, that was cool. That was really awesome. Um, like I said, this probably falls for me about like a seven, seven, five, um, just, just a hair away from getting that legend score for me. Gotcha. 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 Um, uh, all right. That leads us with the flash season five, episode 20 sidekick hero or legend. Also getting a very high hero, Uh fun episode. 
uh, with the rogues kind of returning, there was kind of, it made me question, like, was there really a reason to bring, bring back Bug-Eyed Bandit? Because she kind of just sat there and did nothing. Um, Her bees did was, more than she did. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think she had probably like six lines, but uh, the young rogues, kind of fun, uh, but they just don't hold a candle to the some of the rogues that we, we've seen in the past. Oh. I would have loved to have seen some more. I mean, again, it's really hard to compare to pe- thinking about, like, you know, Heat Wave and, uh, you know, Captain, Captain Cold, Cold and all these people. Like, nobody's really kind of stepped up, with the exception of, like, when, when Katie Sackhoff was in the show as Amunet Black. Uh, I would have loved to see um, more of these rogues kind of come together. Uh, you know, but like I said, it was fun seeing Ragdoll again. It was really cool to see him there. And then uh, how things kind of were playing out a little bit. And I'm kind of excited to see where things are still going to go because what because we know the synopsis now. My guess is the Cicada story is wrapping up this week. I, I I'm kind of hoping so. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, well, there's only two episodes to go, and Cicada story kind of has to wrap up next week because of what the finale is. Yeah. So yeah, that's very true. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because of how they ended the episode. Um, yeah, it was a little weird. Not going to lie. Very curi- <laughs> so. yeah, I'm curious how that's possible and, and what that's going to mean, but we'll see. Uh, I, I'm high hero as well on this one. And uh, unlike, I'm kind of against, not against what you said, but on the opposite side of, uh, you know, that Bug-Eyed Bandit was kind of useless this episode. Her her bees did more. Uh, I'm never going to pass up an opportunity to see Emily Kinney pop up in an episode. Oh, fair. I mean, like I said, it's great to see those people kind of show up. You just wish they had a little bit more to do. So Yeah, exactly. It, so, But I'm high hero as well. I thought there was definitely some fun stuff that was going on. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where, like, these last two episodes are going to take the season. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's jump back to the beginning and start breaking down the episodes. And we will first go back to Supergirl Season 4, Episode 19, titled American Dreamer. Dreamer becomes National City's protector while Kara works to clear Supergirl's name and gets into a showdown with Ben Lockwood. James takes ex- extreme measures to get over his PTSD. Uh, one thing I think is important, worth noting, the director of this episode, Mr. David Harewood. Yeah, which was really cool. And we got a nice shot of him at the very end of the episode, too. So Yes, exactly. And this is actually his first episode uh, actually, not just first episode. This is his first ever directing credit. Yeah, and I think he did a really great job. I think it was actually shot and filmed very beautifully. So, well, I mean, we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago about how what it's like when the when the cast actually comes out and directs episodes. You know, we've seen a number of episodes directed by Tom Cavanaugh at this point. Danielle Panabaker directed her first episode of uh, Flash a couple weeks back, and now David Harewood. And I think. In my opinion, nobody has a better eye for the way these shows must look than the people that are in them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and again, they they did a great job with with all of those pieces. And I, I think you're right. They the cast members really do a stunning job of uh, stepping into those roles uh, when they get an opportunity. And I like because we talked about Daniel Pennebaker's episode a few weeks back, and that was beautifully shot, absolutely beautifully shot. And I think David did a great job here too. It, it had the feel uh, like everywhere that you needed it it, it. it harnessed that that part of Supergirl that we love so much. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm looking to see because I'm very curious. Um, OK, he didn't. I, I thought for some reason I had it in my mind that Chris Wood had directed an episode as well at one point. Uh, but no, what I was thinking was the stew 
which was a short that he directed with Melissa and Carlos Valdez. Yes. Yeah. So, which I still have, I still have yet to see. I still got to find that somehow so I can check that out. But no, so Chris Wood hadn't directed any episode, but I'm curious what other actors have stepped into that role at some point and watched. Uh, but I digress. Let's talk uh, a little bit about the episode because there's definitely a lot to that happens in this episode. We, as you mentioned, there's the dreamer aspect, there is the Ben Lockwood aspect, and there is uh, the James's PTSD. Mm-hmm. So they, I think, for the most part, those are the three stories that we have uh, going on. And the dreamer and Ben Lockwood stuff kind of go hand in hand. They kind of come right. They, they they very much intersect. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's talk about the James stuff first and, and get that out of the way. Um, you know, we're very we're seeing as we saw last week, he is the, the serum that cured him or that healed him is now giving him superpowers. And it's the PTSD of being shot is what is actually triggering these abilities. And it's brainy and. Um, uh, oh, God, uh, Lena that are working towards getting him to kind of separate the two, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of coming to terms with it as best as possible. I mean, you know, trying to find the root of the issue. What's, what's the underlying piece. And they go into it thinking that it has to do with Lex. Um, And, you know, it it goes down into that beautifully deep story with, you know, when uh, James's, uh, you know, father uh, died and it was the day of the funeral. Uh, it was that angle of being bullied and all these pieces. So I think it really wrapped up really nicely. Like when we kind of see those pieces peel back when his sister kind of steps into his head um, throughout the course of this, uh, which was really interesting to kind of see come through. And because I think they handled it in a very careful way. And that's the one thing I really appreciate about the show is like it takes larger concepts and makes them very relatable in an interesting in an interesting manner, like pieces that you don't expect to see. And while this did kind of feel slightly detached from the Lex stuff, um, I think James's role in the finale is going to play a very interesting part. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this is going to mean for him as Guardian, because I know you and Chad did talk a little bit. I did get a chance to listen to a tiny bit of the episode from mm. last week. but um, And I know you guys were kind of stating, you know, I'm wondering how this is going to work with his powers kind of going from here. And I think it's going to be amazing to watch a, a James that's now very centered and a very confident that is now going to have some of these abilities. And the question is for how long? Cause obviously, you know, I think a big part of this is, you know, they, they're going to have to find a way to strip the powers out of Lex and that will give the ability for James to not have these powers as well. So it's the question of how long do they last and will they last? So, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's pretty spot on too i think they're gonna once they figure out to get how they get these abilities out of lex it's going to they're going to do the same thing to james uh but i mean yeah i could say they could let james keep his abilities but something tells me james is going to be the one that says he doesn't want them uh yeah i i could see that but you know there's a small part of me that you know my love for old like jack kirby like weird comics from back in the day uh, and just kind of seeing, you know, it's like, hey, give us, uh, give, give us James Olsen, Turtle Boy. <laughs> so yeah, something God. goes wrong, and he starts to mutate just a little bit. And they're like, crap, we got to get this out. Even if this is a one episode, you know, <laughs> we've gotten weirder things in this show. And you know, they, if I ask for it enough, because they did eventually give me streaky. So that's true. That's very so, true. You who did knows? Get streaky, streaky, ah, so the super knows? cat. 
Seriously. Uh, well, there is the horse still. I, I can't remember. Is Comet? I think. I don't think we've seen Comet yet. I, uh, Comet the Comet the super horse. So. All right. It's possible. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, we'll it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, he's he, we had him, I think it was last week, we had him finally mention again. And it's the first time in a while that we had him mention that he is Guardian or he was Guardian uh, when he was talking to that therapist dealing with the PTSD last week. So we've gotten Guardian referenced again for the first time in a while. And I wonder if that was a way to kind of, I guess, plant a seed that James could eventually, by the finale, suit back up as Guardian. I, you know what? I would love to see him suit back up, but it's a the blue and gold. Oh Guardian. God, I want that. You have, you know how bad I want that. Oh, I know, I know. That was one of your favorite <sighs> characters from like the '90s, man. Yeah. So I, I, I think if they had the opportunity to do this with like a new version of James, essentially, you know, it's it would make all the sense in the world to say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna mix it up. But you know, a. Uh, how do you how do you have them do a new suit because wind's not around? They have, to have Cisco build something and drop it off on the other earth, you know. So uh, oh, it's yeah. a big <laughs> it's a big true. it's a big question. But I mean, I think I think we will see him suit up. Uh, and my guess it's this coming episode. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's um, you know this episode or in two weeks. Um, not the finale. I think the finale is going to be more subdued than we expect. Well, I mean, because we get that moment at the end, and this is kind of jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves because we haven't started talking about the Dreamer and Ben Lockwood stuff yet. But, you know, there is that moment at the end where James is the one that kind of steps in and does the, you, you know, the hand bend to, to Ben Lockwood, you know, telling him, like, get out. And mm -hmm. that's a moment, like, I just remember why, when I saw that, I was like, uh, yeah, James is a badass. Oh, yeah. With these abilities. I'm looking forward to see what they're going to get a chance to do with his character. And I'm all in. I, I think they did a great job. We like, we saw him hovering. Uh, we saw him with, uh, the heat eye vision. blast. Yeah. The eye yeah, blast. He had, yeah. Yeah. He had the heat vision going. So like he's essentially got Kara's power set. Yeah. We, we don't know to the extent, but it's there. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how it's going to play. Uh, but you know, it, it adds, it adds an interesting level because, you now have Lex Luthor with all of the same abilities. So, uh, do you think it's a possibility that we? Because the one thing we don't know, James, we don't know whether or not James has or not is in the same uh, practical invulnerability that Kara does. Right, and I think that's going to be the big piece. And I'm curious to see how those layers kind of come out about the power sets because we don't know Lex's either. We just know he's strong at yeah. this point. So, um, and you now also have Lex who. You know, he's one of the smartest you know characters in the DC universe, uh, and uh, he also a a violent, evil person too. So it's the question of what is going to come out of this. And you know, you have a kryptonite bomb now with that's constantly walking and being put back together in Otis. You know, all these pieces in the mix, plus the Children of Liberty and all these other pieces. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to play. Yeah, um, because I think they they've been setting up the chess pieces for so long that I have a feeling that the next two weeks are going to be really, really big on all the little pieces coming together. And then ultimately just how it's going to wrap by the finale. And the finale is going to be, I think a kind of a battle of wits more than anything else. But I think the next two episodes are going to be where you're going to see the fist of cuffs fly. So, and I think you're right. I think we've seen, I, I think all the puzzle pieces are there in front of us. We're just not seeing how they fit together and we won't until the finale. Right, because I know we've got, uh, you know, we've got obviously the Red Daughter aspect still to play out in a big bad way, and I like the fact that they're really 
waiting to use that. Like that's kind of the trump card, I think, in all of this Alexa side because Kara hasn't gone up against her. You know, they haven't really been face to face. But uh, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, it's going to be really interesting because with Lex and Red Daughter, uh, you know, versus James and Kara, we basically have two similar situations. Exactly, which I think is going to be fun to see kind of play out. Yeah, exactly. and that is going to be really, really cool to see how that's going to break down. Plus, you've got Brainy and. You know, Dreamer in the mix as well. We know that Martian Manhunter, because of course, uh, from the end scene that we have this episode where he is back on Mars and kind of leaving like kind of their, their you know, their scrolls back on Mars for someone else to find. We know he's on his way back. So we know, you know, he's going to be back into the fight as well. It's going to be a big, big finale this year. And I think the finale is really going to have to be viewed as like probably the last two two to three episodes. So but I'm pumped. I'm really, really pumped to see that playoff. I am, too. And, you know, I'm I'm almost going to say and this is where I'll wrap it up with the James stuff is that um, I think it would be very interesting if with with Red Daughter in the mix. I think Kyra is going to be kind of um, preoccupied with with Red Daughter if they're going one on one, I think it would be very interesting to see if it's actually James that's ver- that's going up against Lex. Well, I think you're going to see that, but I think the person that's ultimately going to take down Lex is Lena, and I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing that happen too because they've done a really great job with uh, Katie McGrath, kind of getting to really expand her character. I know you guys talked about that a little last week, and I'm I'm right there with you guys uh, that they've done a really beautiful job of humanizing her, giving her a lot of added depth and layers. And because this season has been a lot about everybody coming to terms with who they are, uh, you know, you have that stuff going on with Lena, James, Dreamer, Brainiac kind of changing. Like, you know, we have everything that's been happening with John all season long. And, you know, Kara's kind of the driving force to get people to move forward. But she's made a lot of really difficult, hard calls. And I think... We're going to see all of them come together in a really beautiful way by the end of this. Now, here's an interesting question that Shad had posted last week, and I'll pose the same question to you. Uh, or Not really a question, but something that Shad had predicted. He actually had predicted that he believes Lena already knows Kara is Supergirl. Uh, uh, do you believe that, or do you think she's so preoccupied by everything else that's going on, it really hasn't been something that she's thought about? I think more than likely that... You would wish she did, but my guess is no, because I think Lex and Miss Tessbach are going to use that against her near the end here. And I think you're going to see a wedge driven at some point uh, because they really had this moment this week where Carr had the opportunity to spill it to Lena because Lena came clean about all, all the Lex stuff. I was almost waiting for it to happen. Yeah, and I kind of thought she was going to happen there. And I was kind of surprised that it didn't because that was the moment. Like, yeah, you had the moment because Lena's kind of like, boom. Uh, so, you know, hey, I was working for Lex and I was being taken advantage of. I'm very, very sorry. And Kara could have been like, and then she's like, I didn't mean to keep this from you. And I'm like, Kara, you're an idiot. This is your opportunity and you're out because do it now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, she's um, basically telling you, like, I'm sorry, I lied to you. I, you know, I've been lying to you, which is basically what Kara's been. She's been keeping a secret the whole time. Lena just completely you just opened up to you. Now is your opportunity to open up back. Right. And I think there was that moment where you could see as like, does Lena know? And you you asked yourself that question in that scene. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, and it was just one of those pieces like I, I kind of thought there was a moment where I was like, yep, she definitely knows. But at the same time, having Lex know Kara's identity 
him not using that against her to Lena, I think would be a surprise. Would would be I would be more surprised if that didn't happen. I think. Okay. So I th- I think she's still going to find out the end of the season. I think there's going to be a lot of fallout for Kara between Alex and Lena before season's end, because Alex is going to find out again um, because of you know the the yeah. block that that John put in, and I think you're going to see somewhat of a wedge between Alex and Lena and Kara going into next year. So okay, all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the whole Ben Lockwood and Dreamer aspect of everything. I, I thought seeing Dreamer step up to kind of take Kara's place, because as of last week, we did see Kara take the whole pen is mightier than the sword aspect. And oh, Dr- yeah, with uh, with 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 Haversham from uh, <laughs> so yeah, from white collar, because oh my god, it was this Mozzie, it was just. He was playing Mozzie last week, and I was just laughing my ass off every scene. For those of you that are big white collar fans, and, and that's the thing I've, I've never watched. Up. I've never watched white collar, so I don't know. Oh my god, it was like they just lifted his character directly out of that show and just popped him in. It, it, this minus the humor, but it was it, it had me in stitches. I thought it was so fucking funny. So, I'm sorry for my language. So what character was this that? Uh, Steve in the prison, uh, the balding guy with glasses. Oh yes, yes. Okay, yep. I he know is one of the, he is one of the main characters in in White Collar, and he basically plays a conspiracy theorist uh, in in White Collar. Uh, so essentially, and it was one of those big like the truth is out there kind of people. Uh, so the fact that they, he played almost the same thing, minus some of the humor aspects, just had me laughing my ass off. And like he- me. Yeah, he plays similar characters in a lot of different things that he does because he plays a um, a character in Hawaii Five O named Gerard, who's sort of the same thing. Like he's this swarmy, uh, low level criminal who just constantly keeps getting caught doing like investment schemes and things like that. And he's finally come to like be he's finally come clean and stopped doing crimes, and now he's like a like an informant for for 50 on Hawaii 50. So yeah, so I'm I'm familiar I'm familiar with a lot of the characters that the character type that he plays. So yeah, it was it was cool seeing him pop up in uh in Supergirl last week. But yeah, Kara's kind of taken the whole stature that she's going to do more as a reporter for Catco than she does as Supergirl. I mean because she's public enemy number 1. She kind of can't do anything as Supergirl at this point without yeah. just being hunted. Uh, right. So seeing Dreamer kind of step up and come into her own for the first time all season, you know, using her abilities and such, uh, was actually a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, they did a really good job with kind of expanding her uh, her character a little bit more this week. And again, it comes to the end of the episode where, you know, Carr brings up, you know, like I said, obviously we have the Amnesty Act, uh, you know, fully repealed a couple weeks back. But uh, using Dreamer as kind of a figurehead and saying kind of like, hey, look. She is actually an alien and a human at the same time. And it's like kind of showing to everybody you can have a new face to kind of help give hope to people. And I that speech that they did at the end during Carr's interview with Dreamer was really beautifully written. It, it was fantastic. It really was. It was it was one of the things I think this show has really always done a great job succeeding in is those hopeful speeches. Uh, and this was one of the better ones even out there that they've done in the show. And I think they did a really, really beautiful job with this. And again, it's it's I'm so happy to say that I think we're going to go into our our uh, primer awards this year with all all of us probably walking away saying there's no question that Supergirl was the best show, season this year. I agree with that. Uh, I, you know, it's I'm right there with you on that. And. You know, that speech was great. And there was a lovely moment during that speech, too, that 
you know, made me chuckle at one point and then immediately afterward made me like, oh, that was really sweet. And there's that moment when, because everybody's watching this speech and we get that moment with Brainy where it's almost like a light bulb went off in his head when he mm -hmm. turns to Alex and he's like, what does love feel like? Right. And but, it makes you chuckle at first because it's a line like that coming from Brainy. And then it's that all moment afterwards where you're like, oh, my God, like, yeah, he really does care about her. Yeah. And, I, you know, it was all these other little pieces that they did, too, and I, that I really loved. It was even just saying silly things like it's like, I'm a Gryffindor. My yeah. Patronus is this. Like it was that it was that human human moment. It was they, they added that relatability to an average person is showing that like, hey, you. You can be an alien, but it doesn't mean the fact that you don't still like what everybody else likes and all these things. And I think they really accomplished that in this. Again, it was 120 seconds. Uh, you know, it was just perfect. It was so perfectly executed. It was really, really, really. It, it, it almost had me tear up a little bit. I thought they did a really great job with the way that they wrote that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, one of the other things about this whole aspect of everything, too, is while we've talked before about how formidable of a, a big bad or a villain, not a big bad, a medium bad, per se, uh, Ben Lockwood has become, uh, they did a good job of pushing that forward a little bit more this episode. Yeah, yeah. President Tron officially says, yep. Um, you know, go ahead and deputize the children of Liberty. Uh, and they, they basically did like the ice, uh, the ice kind of agents coming out there, uh, and rounding people up out of their homes and kind of taking it to the next level. And it was intense. Uh, I mean, you also saw, uh, I'm making sure my, my episodes aren't crossed. That was this week, correct? Yeah. Oh yes. Well, yes. no, the deputizing was the end of last week. So it kind of ties into this week though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, but like we we saw that kind of executed and seeing yes. his son out there uh, this week with um, you know finding out one of his friends that was on the run. Uh, it was an alien, and his you know Ben's son faltering, and it's kind of like, yep, this is this is wrong. What we're doing is wrong because um, there was a face to it. Uh, but we see that kind of bite Ben in the ass by the end of the episode. Uh, you know, we have a couple moments too where he's gunning after Dreamer at that after that you know the the piece airs. Uh, but we find out by the end of the episode, uh, you know, as you mentioned, James kind of coming in and helping stop the fight after, you know, Brainy uh, and and Kara finding an interesting way to kind of work around some things just as in the reporter mode, kind of saving everybody in there as well while, alongside Dreamer. But we saw it play out in an interesting way when Ben gets back home and finds out one of the, uh, the w w women uh, that he kind of separated family of, uh, broke into his home and killed his wife so yeah which is is just going to drive his agenda even further forward yeah um, you know because we got to see this episode basically what it looks like when you give a guy when you give a guy power right um and especially when you abuse it no understanding that basically you're walking around as a loaded weapon nonstop, and there's repercussions for that and ben finally uh, kind of got uh, the opposite taste of what he was doing to people and realizing that he's got to be responsible for his actions. And uh, yeah, um, like his, you know, his wife's character, like I said, we haven't seen a ton of her, but she did play a really big integral part in the midseason finale this year. So it was interesting to see how that played off. And the fact that I did not expect her to get killed. Um, no, I wasn't I, expecting it, that either. Yeah, it was, it was a twist. I didn't see coming and knowing that we're going to see a probably very, vicious angry Ben Lockwood next week and up to the finale is going to 
make him and the Children of Liberty that much more terrifying and frightening for how these last couple episodes shake out. Well, here's the other thing, too, and then I, I'll leave it with this, and then if there's anything else you want to follow up with. Um, I think not only did this death cause him to lose his wife, I think it's going to finally cause him to lose his son. I, I agree <clears> with you because, we, like I said, we, we already saw that his son was done. Yeah, by the and, end and I think George is basically going to blame his father for his mother's death. Like, you I, caused I think this. So. Yeah, I, I really think so. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. Like, I do think these next few episodes are going to be really, really packed and really, really intense. Uh, and I... I would be shocked if they don't stick the landing on this one. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so I mean, the only thing I think we didn't really talk about, and I don't really think there is much to talk about, is you mentioned, you know, we got to see John go back to Mars. Um, and, you know, and and pretty much say goodbye to his father, and, and then now he's headed home. That's really all we got to see of John this week. Yeah. But so. I was happy to see that this kind of remind you where he is right now. Yeah. And saying, hey, he's on his way back. He will be there for the end of this all. Yeah, So exactly. Uh, looking to this coming episode of Supergirl, Kara and Lena, <laughs> titled, Will the Real Tessmach, Will the Real Miss Tessmacher Please Stand Up? Uh, Kara and Lena are headed to Kosnia to hunt down Lex. Uh, however, Eve Tessmacher sets a trap for the duo that could ultimately reveal that Kara is Supergirl. So you might be right on with what you said about how he's going to use that to kind of drive a wedge between the two of them. Yeah. And I believe the episode after that is red dawn, uh, which is going to probably be the big fight. And then I can just bring up, you know, I help all of this slide. These, uh, yeah, that's, that the makes, that makes sense. Uh, and then our final episode titled the quest for peace. <laughs> <laughs> and my immediate, my immediate reaction was, Oh God, they're going to pluck a piece of her hair. Oh, it's going to, it's just, <laughs> It's wonderful. That still um, to this day is the one element that bothers me the most about the quest for peace is there's a strain of Superman's hair that can hold a ton of weight, yet Lex can clip it with a pair of bolt cutters. Yep. Like that's so ridiculous. <sighs> stuff. But anyway, the quest for peace will be our finale and we will see. And here's the official synopsis for it. Again, a lot of these are super short. Lex Luthor descends upon Washington, D.C. and summons Lena and Lillian Luthor to the White House. Supergirl realizes she has one last chance to stop, stop Lex and turns to the power of the press to help her. So that is what we will be seeing when the Quest for Peace airs on 5-19-2019 at 8 p.m. on Sunday Eastern. Gotcha. Uh, all right, let's jump into the next episode, uh, which is Legends of Tomorrow, Season 4, Episode 13, titled Egg McGuffin, which is another fantastic title of an episode. Uh, while Ray is worried about Nora, he is suddenly faced with his own problems that forces him to do the unthinkable. Nate and Zari are stuck in an awkward limbo, so Sarah devises a plan to send them on an easy mission together. Meanwhile, Charlie and Rory are approached with a lucrative offer that could upend their lives. Uh, I want to start with that. A Romanticon 2019. Yes. Such a great uh, <laughs> sub-story in this episode. Uh, and I got to say, too, um, from somebody that has been to a romance convention, uh, because my wife has been at uh, at them, uh, because obviously a lot of you know that she is, an, uh, she is an author, they did a really good job. They really did a great job of, for the most part, uh, of, of showing the vibe and such. You know, like I said, there's not really a lot of cosplay at those things. Uh, but, I mean, you know, the the look and the visual look of the vibe of what they look like, I, she stopped. She's like, damn, they did their homework. She's like, they did a really good job here. Um, 
but like I said, it was really it's I think it's been so much fun seeing the Rebecca Silver stuff with with with, with Mick because it's been so fun. They've done such a good job of giving him this interesting, fun lair, but making him an incredibly deep character. And I think that's really great. And I really enjoy the fact. And I, I one of the things I, I got to say is the fact that he's kind of writing romance stories that have become like these big things is really kind of awesome because it's kind of subverting expectations. But one of the other things I really kind of I've seen firsthand is uh, romance gets a lot of a lot of crap um, from people. And it's like, oh, it's a romance book. It's a trashy romance book, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, it's just dealing with people's emotions. Yeah, a lot of times I think you you hit something there, too. A lot of times when there's romance novels, a any a lot of times people are always putting that word trashy in with the description and it's very disappointing because yeah. i can tell you how many times i've heard people say to my wife kind of like oh anybody can write uh, a, a book like that you know like and i'm like no you no, no they can't <laughs> that's not how that works <laughs> like it's it's not just boom i mean it's it, it it's one of those things that if it gets under our skin so incredibly bad and more so obviously her. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like, no, it's, you have these very prolific writers. They write more than anybody else and they are the top selling genre of all books. Um, so it's kind of really crazy when you look at that, but I love the fact that the show is kind of showing this alternate side of all this. And it's kind of giving it a lot of more validity and especially in an interesting way with Nick, like it's done as a B plot and, kind of more sometimes for humor's sake, but it's added such a deep layer to the character that we've been following for well over five years because of his time in The Flash. And I think it's really cool that they really have been exploring this and really now, like, he is going to be this, like, think about where his character can go from here now because the fact that he is now out as this prolific writer. Um, And it's going to add such a new interesting layer to Mick going forward. While it was such a small piece this will forever change who he is on these shows, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, no, I agree. With, I agree with everything that you said. He is just and not only that, but seeing, you know, this completely different side. Well, not completely different side of Mick because we've been seeing it for a while, but now it's out in public. Um, <clears throat> I also like what I really loved about what they did with this with Romanticon and, and using, you know, the whole Rebecca Silver everything was they incorporated Mona into it this time and in some ways, this was kind of almost an initiation of Mona into the Legends of Tomorrow because she is traveling with them now. So, I mean, she's she's on the Wave Rider with them now. So, in many ways, she kind of is one of the newest legends. And seeing that initiation when she gets when she gets that notice on her phone that Rebecca Silver is going to reveal who she is, you know, her for the first time in public, and you see kind of just Ava and Sarah look at each other like because they already know yeah you know so watching them just kind of have a little fun with her and just be like uh, take plenty of pictures you know because yeah. they know already that she's going to be in shock when she finds out that it's mick yeah but i mean it, it was so much fun watching charlie and mick together like they actually have a really fun chemistry together just the way that they play off of each other and it was so much fun to watch that play out this week but uh you know mona's been a fun character because like, again she has that feeling of like her and Gary just have a fun like place to play in this show. And, you know, we don't, we, and like I said, let's be honest, like we haven't been seeing a lot of heroics. It was really nice to see the heroics angle come back a little yeah. bit again this week. Yeah. Quite a bit uh, this week. 
but like I said, they had a lot of fun. Like the this season has been very different than the previous seasons. And I that's I think that's great because they're not afraid to take risks on the show. And that's always been a big positive, I think, about Legends of Tomorrow. It is not afraid to be silly and have fun, do different things. Um, but it still remembers that it's a superhero show when it all boils down to things. But it's gonna be cool to see it kind of play out from here because we're in such a weird spot by the end of this episode but it's like I'm very excited to see where this is going to go in this last little handful of episodes so and you know what and we got a little bit of super heroics a couple weeks ago when we got well not really super heroics but at least seeing the the, their abilities when we saw Nate steal up to kind of stop that wrecking ball um we're getting more because he actually used his super heroics this week a couple times. We saw Zari use her abilities again this week. Um, I'm almost wondering if they're kind of gearing us up for the fact that they're going to go back to it by the end of this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because they're accomplishing or they have accomplished what they need to. Um, again, it was a very personal story for a lot of these characters this season. And I think that's what was interesting was watching all these characters grow. And I think this was uh, purely what this was, was a massive growth season for these characters. And I really loved it. The fact that they're exploring different avenues and aspects. And while the super heroics have taken a backseat and where we've said originally in the first half of, you know, or well, three quarters of air of this season, uh, they're giving us at least something new with each character. And that's why I think it's still succeeding. If you're coming here looking for something like The Flash or like Supergirl right now, you really should stick with The Flash and Supergirl. But if you're looking for a character piece that's just having fun, um, you know, Legends still is, I think, top dog in that category. But like if you want a beautiful blend of it, then go to Supergirl. I, I think that's really where we've been this season is these two shows are really continuing to give us something fresh. And I really, really appreciate and respect that. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. Um, you know, talking a little bit, let's kind of shift gears and talk a little bit more about the Nate and Zari aspect of things. Um, uh, you know what? Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that. And then, because there's something in that story I wanted, I kind of wanted to save for last. And it's yeah. what we get at the end of the episode anyway. Right, it, right, right. Because it ties into it really beautifully. So. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, obviously they've been toying very much so with this whole will they won't they with Nate and Zari and you know I'll be honest with you I know Nate had the whole thing uh last season with um Amaya Amaya uh I I really think Nate and Zari are good like if I don't I'm not one to technic to kind of like ship couples together they work they work I would ship this one yeah, I, I really I thought it was fun, and I really love the fact that it was an Indiana Jones episode yes. essentially. <laughs> when they're reading, when so they're great. reading their bios of their characters, uh, um, and it had me crack it up because, like, uh, when I heard Miriam, I'm like, "That's just phenomenal," and that's I was like, "I already know where this is going." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're going, um, they're going to an archaeology group, so you had to figure this is exactly where they were going, and the fact that, club. Yeah. and the fact that they realized it too is what made it even better. It was them just kind of like, wow, they went all out to set us up on a date. And I'm like, oh, my God, they even brought in Nazis. And yes. like, and, and, and just the way that played was so perfect. And they're like, oh, crap, they're real Nazis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it worked. It worked so incredibly well. But one of the things that it's great because it ties into the Romanticon stuff. And this subplot was the book club aspect that, you know, we actually see Sarah having to read this book that basically ties this whole thing together. Uh, where we find out that 
you know, it's this kind of like over the top, like murder mystery book. And it's kind of like, you know, this the low level person is the bad one, the one that did it all, which ties into the Nate and Zari story where they're trying to find this egg. Um, and we find out that it was uh, the person that actually stole it away from the Nazi and the the adventurer of the adventurers club was this kind of his low level kind of lackey. Yeah. Uh, which ties us into the, you know, story storyline three, which is evil Ray, um, which has been just awesome. <laughs> it's fun to watch Brandon Routh kind of take that chance with the character. Yeah. Like I said, we're still seeing him as Ray, but like, you know, it, it's, the fact that, like, you know what we got out of him this week? This is the best way I can put it, and I think it's the best compliment I can give him. We got to see Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead. Yes! Ash, yes! Essentially is what we saw. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he he pulled it off beautifully. Like, he did a great job of really acting opposite of himself. Like, him trying to smother, uh, you know, um, Nora. Nora, yeah. Uh, which was hysterical. And you had to imagine being on set for that was just way too funny. Uh, for for Courtney and for Brandon, um, and, you know, and just how that was playing off. Uh, I, I wish we could get some great behind the scenes from that episode because I guarantee it was just hysterical. He's and um, like, and and it's so funny because I mentioned this last season, and you know, it might have even been two seasons ago, and like I'm, I'm I've mentioned it again this season too. I've loved the fact that they've put the two of them together because. Everything I've seen outside of the show and everything I'm seeing in the show, I feel like these two people are just, they're genuinely into each other and they just absolutely love having fun both on and off set. And the fact that that reflects in their performances together, like I think she has been, uh, Courtney Ford has been such a great addition to this show and it's because of Brandon Routh. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I think they have so much fun playing off of each other and opposite to each other. But yeah, again, Brandon did such a great job with Ray this week, uh, and especially the sequence with with uh, you know Nate coming aboard the Wave Rider and essentially Neron says, uh, I'm gonna, uh, "I take over." And yeah. it, when it got to you know that moment with Nate on the ship, there was that wonderful moment. It's like, come on, you call that a hug? You know, like their their friendship is, is I think, so beautifully written. Uh, just the way that it works. I mean, we had it a couple weeks ago where, you know, they're at the funeral and everybody's saying goodbye to Nate. And, you know, you see Sarah give him a kiss, Nate, uh, Nate a kiss on the cheek. Then Ray gives him a kiss on the yes. cheek. Yes. There was a <laughs> stop pause. Uh, but it was just kind of the same thing kind of continuing here where it was it's just kind of like, hey, man, you call that a hug? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's him trying not to kill Nate. But, like, you know, we see him at that moment where he's just about to kill him uh, willingly except Neuron. So he doesn't doesn't kill his best friend. Um, but at the same time, though, too, we see Neuron kind of push Gary over the edge. It's, as we mentioned, it was it's the underling, the one that's not respected, uh, be there. And the fact that they use that, I think Shad put it, is the fact that... They used the MacGuffin, his nipple as the MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin yep. of all of this was the setup at the beginning of Gary losing his nipple, uh, which was fantastic, as that's been our driving point and linchpin to everything is Gary's nipple. Yeah. Like you feel so weird saying that, but like again, it was another moment that had that Evil Dead too. It's it's the hand that's crawling across the cabin, and this we have his nipple craw crawling across <laughs> the wave rider coming after <laughs> Gary. And like, how awesome 
can you is it to say that? Because that's so absurd. It's absolutely absurd, but it makes you understand why this show is so much fun. Like they get they gave us last year a giant, you know, tickle me uh tickle me elmo essentially. Ending ending the fight with the big bad. This we have an evil nipple. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's it's one of those things too that like we get those flashbacks of like all the times that the legends kind of treated Gary poorly. And as viewers, we kind of saw that too. Like we know it, but we always took it as a joke. Like that's that was just Gary. That's the way they treated Gary. But it's amazing how everything comes around and they flip that on its head with this and use that for Gary giving himself willingly to Neron. Like yeah. he's tired of being a doorstop. Um, and it kind of it, it, it kind of not only flips it on its head in the show, but it flips it on its head as you as a viewer because, you know, you've been watching all this time. And like I said, we've been laughing at it because, you know, hey, Gary got his nipple bitten off or, you know, like, hey, Gary and Constantine had a night together. Like it's, you know, or they told Gary to shut up. Like these are things that we took as jokes and it kind of puts you in the same position as the legends because now as viewers, we're like, no, Gary, like, don't do this. Mm-hmm. And now he's given himself willingly to Neron, and we kind of have to root against Gary. Yeah, which is going to be crazy because, like, we we love his character so much. And but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing basically the characters, the two characters that have been the goofiest, becoming the bad guys. Yeah. I think is going to add such an interesting level because we know both of those actors have some chops. Like, comedy is one of the hardest things to pull off. Uh, and so to always consistently be able to get your jokes to land and both both of them pull that off every week. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how this is going to play, because I think it's going to be uh, that's, uh, it's going to be a shock. I think we're going to be really blown away with how this is going to go. And I almost wonder, too, a little bit if like because we've seen the writers have some fun with a lot of character um with a lot of like personal character, like characteristics of the actors. So, I mean, we're seeing a lot of fun stuff play out with Brandon and Courtney, be obviously because of their personal relationship with one another. But I wonder almost if this is maybe something like on set that Brandon and Adam just kind of have a lot of fun together, like they goof off a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if maybe that's almost like the writers are saying like, you know what, let's use that and let's put these two characters together. Yeah. And and let's make them the villain and see how this plays out because they they have a lot of fun on set so let's make them let's let them use that on screen. Uh, yeah, and it makes me more excited to see how this is going to play. Like I said, you know, we didn't really have any like John except for like the last couple uh, moments of the episode when they kind of find out and realize what happens where you know John's trying to keep Gary from kind of accepting, you know, this path. Uh but the end of the episode um we we do have a new member of the Time Bureau officially. Yes, yeah, Inora, um, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that how, how that's going to continue on. But yeah, the legends are getting bigger, and uh, it's cool. It's and really cool. To I, see. I will have to say too, when John came back into the episode, uh, it made me very excited because uh, it means that in that universe, Phoenix exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, he has a phoenix I thought feather. Of, I thought of you as soon as that came up. <laughs> he has a phoenix feather, which means that the phoenix does exist. Uh, um, I, I, oh, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it, going back to the whole uh, the book club aspect of everything, I'll just make this real quick. This was a point I wanted to make earlier, but we kind of moved on. I think it's very interesting, too, that we have these three storylines, uh, but it's interesting that Mona is, that Ava and... Uh, Sarah are reading a romance novel. 
Mona is talking about Mick writing a romance novel and Zari and Nate are living a romance novel. Right. And it was it was beautifully done the way that they tied all those together. Again, they've been doing so just wonderfully with having their subplots all kind of flow and feel right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, But the last big piece I think we have to bring up is the fact that the legends also have the golden egg by the end of the episode. And what do they find out is inside a dragon? Uh, They get their damn dragon. (laughs) And I'm so excited. I am, too. I feel like this is going to be the next Bebo moment. This was the setup from the beginning. Like the first episode, they're like, hey, it was this Mick is like, I want a dragon. I want <laughs> yes. a damn dragon. And they got their damn dragon. And I am so happy. <laughs> so I can't um, wait to see I, what, what comes to this egg. You know, that's going to play off in such a big, bad way in the end. And I'm excited. Well, I mean, here's the thing, too. Like Mick is heat wave and dragons breathe fire. Like, yeah. I want to see this thing either become a pet of Mick's or Mick gets to ride the dragon. I know. I I I just I, I just want this. I need this in my life. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Like we did with uh, Supergirl, like uh, the official synopsis for the season finale, which is in just a few weeks, has been released. Uh, like I said, so we know the final episode is called Hey World, uh, and it's H E Y comma World. Uh, but also, we found out that the whole episode is going to be revolving around the amusement park Hey World, uh, which is just. I'm excited. I am too. Um, and the official synopsis is while on a mission to find Ray Con- and uh, Constantine and Nora. Uh, well, sorry. While this is written terribly. <laughs> uh, while on a mission to find Ray, Constantine and Nora discover Neuron's evil plan. Nate convinces the legends to think outside the box and suggests a dangerous plan to unite magical creatures and people to save the world. It's going <sighs> to be so much fun. I the fact that the theme park is going to be the probably the final spot is just going to be wonderful. And you know what? Our our buddy TJ mentioned last night, too, an interesting theory in that we could potentially see Batty Ray going into next season. It's possible. Uh, You know, if they don't resolve the whole Neuron situation, um, I I don't know if it's going to play out that way, but it would be interesting to see. Yeah, so... Ah, very cool. Yes. Uh, this upcoming episode, though, of Legends of Tomorrow titled Nip Stuck, which I love. I love I just love how they they play around with the titles. And they have so oh, the puns are great. Yeah. Uh, when Sarah hesitates to make a tough call, Rory steps up, creating a wedge in the team. Meanwhile, Ava gives Gary the responsibility of handling the Bureau performance reviews for all the agents. Wait a minute. Gary is going to be. Is he not going to be bad, or is he, or is people not? Oh, I guess people don't really know that Gary. Yeah, I guess Ray and John are the only ones that know, aren't they? Right now, well, we'll see. Yeah. So. Okay. Interesting. Uh, all right, let's move on to Arrow season seven, episode twenty, titled "Confessions." When they learn of an upcoming attack on the city, Team Arrow calls Roy Harper to help them stop the Ninth Circle. Things do go awry, and there is a massive and there is massive collateral damage. Dinah investigates what happened. Uh, this I, is going to be a short conversation, I think. I think it is. I think because the episode is pretty straightforward. It's it's one event that is told from two different perspectives: uh, the truth and the lie. Uh, leading into a big reveal of something happening with Roy. Um, right. And that's pretty much the story right Like, I, I really, aside from, it's hard to expand upon that. <laughs> so I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's literally, it's the, it's the crew giving their side of an event that happened that we basically just see happen, play out over and over multiple times. 
Right, and it's, it's essentially, you know, we, we see, you know, like I said, each one of the team kind of give their accounting of what happened that resulted in the death of two transit officers uh, while they're basically trying to stop, um, you know, that the deadly gas from going up and killing a lot of people in Star City, which they do succeed. Um, but again, you now have the deaths of two people on their hands and... The legends, or not the legends, Team Arrow is the ones we're, you know, we're trying to find out, out who is responsible for it. And Dinah is coming from this as a person that was basically inside, uh, you know, was out of, like, you know, uh, I don't know how to even put it. She's basically acting through the whole thing for the other sergeant, basically stating that she had nothing to do with the situation, which we find out by the end of the episode. She was very much dressed as the Black Canary as everything happened. But the fact that ultimately they're covering for one of the team members that was actually responsible for the deaths of those people. Yeah, and and you know what I I want to I want to th- mention that real quick because this was one of those episodes that when I first started watching, not knowing what was going on, like seeing this story play out and play out, and seeing Dinah being the one investigating and interrogating everybody, there were actually moments in this episode where I was like, God, I'm really starting to hate Dinah again. Like I'm I came around on her, and I'm really starting to hate her again. And then by the end when all is revealed that Dinah was actually there and this is purely just an act to kind of save face with the vigilantes and the police force working together. It was actually a big relief. Yeah. And I think they did a really decent job with all those pieces, but we saw a lot of old wounds brought back up into this episode, bringing up things like things that happened in collision course and such. So I think they brought it back around really well um, where there was that level of trust too, between people like, you know, mentioning like things that have happened to him, why they should be even trusting Roy to begin with. The, the problems of bringing, bringing Roy in when uh, new team era really don't know him very well. Uh, and they kind of viewed him as potentially a liability in the fact that he's still a vigilante uh, and is still kind of wanted in Star City to an extent. Yeah. So how that played out was, I think, really interesting. But not only that, it was really great to see. Roy kind of come back into the mix and we kind of found out, hey, yeah, no, he him and, you know, Thea and I almost said Emiko and uh, Nissa <laughs> yeah. are still out there kind of taking care of the Thanatos Guild and trying to put a stop to things. And, you know, they're they're in the field still actively on their mission, but it was just they needed a way to have a face there that was able to get around, um, you know, Emiko because Emiko has no knowledge of who Roy is. And I thought that was a really interesting twist on how they did it. And it, it kind of helps. This episode definitely kind of sets up why I think Roy is on the island uh, in the very beginning of when we see him in the flash forwards in the future, um, maybe to an extent. So I'm kind of curious on how the whole thing's going to play. Yeah, because you, you did mention that when we were prepping, too, is that this is a good possibility as to what we do find out about Roy this episode, which we'll get to at the end. Um could be a good indication as to why he is still only in you by the end when William finds him. Uh, right. We we do know now why it's a good possibility we know why he was there. Right. Like he's he's going through some hard times to say the it, least. So Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um you know what we might as well just talk we might as well talk about it because I really yeah. don't know what else there really is to mention about the episode that I mean, we haven't already talked about. I mean the big pieces are pretty much every we know in this episode everyone is covering for somebody. Um, and somebody was responsible for the death of the transit officers, as we mentioned. Um, and it made me actually question and wonder for a little bit before we got to that point if Felicity was responsible for killing them. 
Uh, the way that it was set up early on, I really thought that that was going to be what the case was, uh, which we definitely find out is not indeed the case. No, but not at all. Uh, but I will say the adventure of getting to the reveal was really awesome. We saw some amazing, and I mean amazing, action sequences yes. this week. They were beautiful. There was the great parkour sequence with with Roy, um, and that shot where he's shooting the uh, the arrow through the fans to turn off the switch yes. and the laser grid. It was great. That was one of the best-looking action shots they have ever shot on Arrow, and I was really incredibly impressed with the way that everything looked on that. Um, but you know what? Why don't you go ahead and get into the reveal? Because I said, again, outside of... The action this week, you know, really there there was not much, with the exception of Emiko and um, Wild Dog basically realizing that, yep, there's you know there there's well Wild Dog realizing that Emiko is too far gone. So. Yeah, I mean, by the end of the interrogation of everything, it's kind of revealed or it's left to be revealed, even though it's not the true reveal that uh, you know Oliver admits that it was Emiko that killed the two guards. And then we get that scene down in the Arrow Cave with with Dinah joining them, realizing Dinah was part of it. And we get the truth. The entire scene plays out. And it turns out that Roy was indeed the one that killed the two security guards. Brutally killed these two security guards. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was in that moment, I know when I was watching, I was kind of like in shock. I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on at this point? Like, why was Roy with that? And it didn't really click with me. Until Oliver said, when did it happen? And And you're like, when did you die? Yeah, when did you die? And and that was interesting because they brought up the fact and he was like, he's like, this wasn't just because of the Mirakuru. Because we remember that Roy had a problem with the Mirakuru. Yeah. Um, This is a combination of the Mirakuru and the rage of being brought back from a Lazarus pit. Yeah. And it's it was it was a shock. I was like, Wow. I'm like, that was a cool twist. And I was like, that was really interestingly well done. Uh, Again, we did mention in our our reviews and our ratings that the start of the episode was incredibly slow. Um, And it kind of was a little grating a little bit early on. Uh, But it it had a good payoff. It had a really, really good payoff. And I think they did a great job with it. Um, Like I said, I think just a hair away from a legend, really, like – if it wasn't for those like first like 10, 15 minutes, I, I think this would have been I a legend. I, I would have given this an eight. I would have definitely given this an eight. Yeah. Uh, but I really I think because it's so close to the end, the Emiko still does not feel like a big viable threat. And I think that's the problem. And I think they needed to do a little bit more here with her. They had a good opportunity to make her more formidable in this episode. Instead, they threw a wall, threw in a lot of random um, you know, baddies from the ninth circle where I think they could have had an opportunity to play her up a little bit because she still doesn't feel like a, a villain. Like she just is there. And it's kind of disappointing, especially this close to the end to not take advantage of it. And I think they could have here. Well, here's the thing that's interesting to me too, is by the end of this, you know, by Oliver telling Dinah and that Sergeant that Emiko was the one that killed those two security guards you basically set her up as the villain, which she already was. But now there's one of two situations that can happen to me. I really don't think there's any possible way for Emiko to join the team at this point because you villainized her not only with, you know, yourself, but with the city. Yeah, and and one of the other pieces too, and I think that we almost forgot to bring up is we find out by the end of the episode that there was footage that was supposed to be scrubbed from underground. And we found out that Emiko has it. And she's going to, she is leaking it 
leaking that information out so we know they know that Roy Harper is a killer. <clears throat> well, not only that, but she makes she makes the big reveal too that she also knew that the boat was going to sink. That uh, with uh, with Oliver's father. Oh yeah, the Queen's Gambit <clears throat> and she, like all those pieces. Yeah, and her we find out that her main motivation now is to is to cause Oliver to die as a villain. Right, and really we we do see the fact that Oliver and the team are trapped, and basically the information is about to come out, which is going to jeopardize the career of Dinah. It's going to jeopardize the you know. Eric Roy and Ollie and the rest of the team um, in a very bad way. And I think that does give her a lot more weight than she had. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's still a little too little too late. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still not sure how I feel on the Emiko situation. But, um, you know, getting back to what I was saying before, I feel like there's only one of two resolutions at this point when it comes to Emiko. Either one, um, she's she's going to be redeemed and have to leave. Because she can't stick around if she's already villainized by the city. Um, uh, or two, I, I don't know. Do you think there's a possibility that Emiko, that Oliver's going to have to kill Emiko? Uh, you know, I have no idea. I mean, again, they don't have a lot of time to, to pull this off. No, uh, two they've episodes. Got, they've got two episodes. Uh, this feels like the problem Supergirl used to have, where it's kind of like, oh, here's your big, big bad. And I'm like, uh, you guys do realize you've got, like, no time left. Um, and it was the same thing happened last year. I think it's it was a big backstep uh, the way that they did a lot of this because they spent so much time building up Dante for Dante to be nothing. Uh, you know, he very unceremoniously was wiped out off the board last week, um, which was like, what was the point of casting Adrian Paul? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was kind of silly, and they they've had this problem for a little while now. Uh, but again, I, I'm gonna definitely give it the benefit of the doubt because a lot has to happen in these last two weeks. Like, and I mean a lot. They have to set up the future arc. They absolutely have to. There's no way that they can't um, because they've been trying to show us the importance of this for so long. They have to have Felicity leave. They have to end this arc. They have to set up next year. And they also have to make Emiko mean something and matter. And I don't think they're going to be able to pull all of them off, but I think they're going to pull off most of it. Yeah, so. I th and that's my fear, too, is I think they might be too much they have to pack into these last two episodes. Because uh, you're right. I mean, And not only that, but, I mean, there's rumor that the Monitor is going to appear as well. I mean, now that could just be a quick post-credit scene Yeah. after everything wraps up, um, you know, just leading into next season. That could be a... Again, quick thirty seconds to a minute of of the season finale. Yeah, but even without that, you're right. There's still a lot that has to be packed into these last two episodes. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. So, um, there is a couple things of feedback. We've been mentioning feedback as we've been going along, so I can just mention the arrow stuff real quick. I know uh, our buddy Shad, who again, who was on last week. I've reached a point where I'm not sure if I actually dislike this episode, if I've just lost all interest in this story the season is trying to tell. And I think there's a little bit of that because I think, uh, again, this was a great episode as compared to a lot of it, but I think one of the reasons why that first 10 to 15 minutes might have been really slow is because it just takes a lot longer for us to be interested in what's going on now. Yeah. I yeah. don't think it's necessarily that the episode itself was slow. I think it just took a little bit of time for this story to finally grab our attention again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so <laughs> pretty much all we know is, again, we've got the finale coming up, um, which, again, is only a couple weeks away. 
And it basically tells us nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Big shock in it. All we know is the title is called You Have Saved the City. It says the battle between Oliver and Emiko comes to a boiling point, which brings some familiar faces and leaves others in dire jeopardy. Uh, we all, all we know is uh, that will be directed by James Banford. Uh, oh, so, nice. Okay. So that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Michael Franks, who often leaves us feedback, uh, is a big fan of Arrow. He's he's always uh, uh, overly positive when it comes to Arrow. Uh, another incredible episode of Arrow. I'm going to miss the hell out of this series. It truly is. A, it truly is an amazing show, and it shouldn't be. It should be regarded as such. I almost wonder if that's a personal message to us. Uh, Stephen. Uh, Mel- <laughs> I wish we could. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Stephen Amell did a wonderful job with his portrayal of Oliver Queen, aka Green Arrow. Uh, he should go down as a true superhero with his performance in the Arrow series. I'm not denying that at all. No, not at all. Stephen's fanta- has done fantastic with this character, and building it is to what it is. It's just it's- the the writing of the show lately has been struggling at least to us i mean if you're michael and anybody else listening if you guys are still huge fans of the show and love it more power to you like we're happy for you yeah absolutely it, it, don't yuck somebody else's yum yeah <laughs> i love that phrase <laughs> uh looking to this next episode of arrow which is the penultimate of the season uh episode 21 living proof oliver finds himself in a precarious position scpd shows up with a warrant for felicity so I'm very curious how they're writing off her character. I don't I, know. I, eh, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Uh, all right. Last show of the week we have to talk about is The Flash. Season 5, episode 20, Gone Rogue. Barry continues to struggle with his feelings over Nora's portrayal. Brie Larvin, Josh, uh, Josh Jackham, and Peter Merkel return to Central City. Cisco makes a bold decision. I don't know what that is. What decision did he make? <laughs> Uh yeah, I he did, he made no decisions. He yeah. talked about trying to make decisions, but he never did. Yeah, they so. they discuss making a decision, but he doesn't make it in this episode. Yeah, uh, that's IMDb and their synopsis for you. So yeah, so we get to see the young rogues actually come about in uh, Weather Witch, uh, Bug Eyed Bandit, and Rag uh, Ragman. And man, I have to say, uh, Ragdoll, Ragdoll. Oh, Ragdoll, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Ragman was Arrow. Uh. Troy James is is just masterful at that role. Oh my god, he has so much fun. You could tell he has so much fun doing it. I, I cannot for the life. Oh, Phil Lamar. Phil, Phil Lamar does the voice of Ragdoll. The voice yeah. is, is is the voice. So, which is funny because uh, he had a kind of a tie to sort of last week's episode of Arrow because uh, Phil Lamar played the voice of John Stewart in Justice League. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it around, uh, bringing it around. So, I mean, a couple different stories that we have playing out through this one. Obviously, we have Excess uh, joining the rogues, or actually bringing the rogues together uh, mm. and creating the young rogues in, in many ways. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I mean, we have the, the Ralph and uh, Caitlin aspect of what's going on. And basically, Barry just trying to deal with everything at the same time. Yeah, I, it's, you know... <sighs> Again, this is going to be a short conversation, I think, on this one again. Um, you know, we really see, like, let's get the Ralph and Caitlin stuff out of the way, because that's such a small part of this episode. Yeah. But they're the ones that kind of come to realization of what's going to happen is they go to one of the uh, other townhouser sites where we know that, you know, Cisco was using as a lab to kind of help kind of create the cure uh, for the meta, uh, metagene. But they do find out that one of the lockers that had one of the first test versions that was not working and could result in the death of a meta uh, has been stolen. And the whole objective that we do find out, and we could just bring in, because Cicada has such a small part, a uh, role to play in this episode, is 
essentially we find out that she's going to be using that to basically make that cure airborne and wipe out all the metas in uh, the city. So uh, that's what we see kind of is the catalyst of what everything that happens and plays off in this episode. So I think what was interesting was seeing the way that excess kind of played into her role this week. Uh, while we did, I feel like had a, a, it was nice to see her have that edge to her and that negative energy that's kind of coursing through her right now. I was expecting a little bit more. I don't know about you. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I mean, there was so much potential with using, um, you know, uh, negative speed force, uh, you know, and, and seeing her, you know, I guess kind of, uh, go to the dark side a little bit by using it and there was so much more potential that they could have done that had they done this a little earlier they could have played with it a little bit more um, right but but to see it wrap up already i mean well we don't know that because the next episode i think is called the girl with the red lightning so i don't think it's done yet so maybe we're going to see some after effects uh, i think so happening. i do i do think so because you know the way everything played out like we saw her really touched the dark side quite a bit this episode where we see her start doing the hand vibration to vibe uh, and holding that up to Cisco. And you're, and you're like, Oh damn, uh, she is, uh, is really far gone. And it was, you really kind of were hoping that was the case because it would have been such a great twist uh, to see her as the one that kind of tilts this direction. So, it was it was a little disappointing to see that as you mentioned it kind of wrapped up by the end and they they go through the heist with the young rogues they might as well barely bring up the young rogues because aside of just watching ragdolls do some creepy stuff <laughs> so um <laughs> they they really didn't play a part here uh surprise surprise villains double crossed uh, excess you know when yeah. they realized they was like oh it's the dart on the flash uh screw you <laughs> so it's not like no none of us saw that coming uh but you know we do see the objective get played out where they're just trying to steal a gun that'll basically wipe anything down to nothing. Uh, it was the, from used from the solar, uh, what was it, the solar dishes on the original Star Lab satellite? Yeah, I think and, so, and it, it magnifies it enough that it would it would literally destroy down to its base atom anything that it was pointed at. Right. So, really, outside of that. Not a lot happened. <laughs> no, so. I mean, and it, it's it's almost weird, you know, again, talk, going a little bit about the disappointment of seeing what they could have done with this, this negative speed force with Nora and such is that even, you know, everything still plays out in that, you know, she has this negative speed force on her, speed force in her. It could have been fun to see Nora step up as a baddie for a while. Uh, to and play off of that whole aspect of Barry and Nora having to face off against each other, uh, and what that would mean for Barry in, you know, almost I guess it would force him to kind of blame himself because if it wasn't for him turning against her, she wouldn't have she wouldn't have gone rogue as, as the way she did, you know, and just what that could have done to Barry's character. But at the same time, while we could have gotten that, all we did get was that she put the rogues together to steal this gun to actually help everybody. Right. So even when she was bad or filled with negativity, she was still doing good. Now, that could just be a good way of showing the positive positivity of um of her character and that even when she's bad, she's still good. But you could have had so much more fun with it if you went the other way. Yeah, and I, I think that was my problem too is I really wanted to see this carry in up to the finale. Um, and having her be this wild card in the field while you're dealing with whatever's to come still with Reverse Flash. 
because we know he's going to play a huge part in the finale. Um, that's already been, like we'll get into that in a moment. But the fact that it was kind of like you know like sorry, Dad didn't mean to do this. Hugs and kisses. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though. I mean, I, as you mentioned, you know, next week's episode is the girl with the red lightning. There's still a potential chance that we could see that. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, this could have been Eobard's plan from the beginning: is getting her to knowing she's got a good heart. Getting her to use that negative speed force, knowing that it's going to kind of cause her to her goodness to deteriorate and turn against them against her own will could have been part of his plan all along. Yeah. And that's what we're going to see play out next week. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's a big part of it. So I, I think I'm more excited to see what this kind of set up. But I think this feel like this was almost kind of a bit of a waste. Like, you know, essentially going back to infinity war it, it, it's thor not aiming for the head it was if cisco just dumped that damn dagger on another another yeah. <laughs> yes it's all cisco's <laughs> fault that's really what this whole season is it's it, all cisco's fault <laughs> yeah that could have been this whole cicada thing would have been over and done with already yeah and you know it, it's it's kind of irritating to know that we still have to end the cicada of all of this but i think the I think they're saving a surprise for us still. I think there's still something big to come. And I think Cicada is, again, she's kind of like, the best way I can put it is, think of the tick, the mad bomber who bombs at midnight. It's just like kind of like, that's the setup. Yeah. The real, the real thing is, 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 is has yet to happen. Um, the question again, is, what can that be? Well, I mean, again, that's, we, we know this show has the biggest importance to play for next year, essentially. Because it has to. Um, crisis, because Eobard knows all about what's to come. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this interesting, is he has the knowledge of the future. And that newspaper has been around since episode one of The Flash. And we know that has to play off in a big, bad way next year. And we know probably all this endgame is building up to what's to come. And I think that's what is the tricky part about the season for not this show, but also Arrow. Um, I think Supergirl and Legends are kind of immune from this, but these two shows have a lot of heavy lifting to get things positioned into next year. And I think that's why both of these shows, I think, suffered the most this year as well. And and and, and here's what I think, too, going into I – mean, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, I was, that was kind of the end of my point. And going into that, I think this is the way – this is the way I predict things playing out, or at least I'd like to see them play out. I think because the Arrow season finale is going to be the first to air. So I think out of all four of these shows, I think we're going to see the monitor appear in the last couple seconds of Arrow to kind of give a warning. I think in the season finale of The Flash, which will be next, we're going to see Eobard's play into all of this and how it's going to begin. Supergirl would be the next finale to air, and I think that's where we're going to, by the end of that, we may start seeing maybe like the Red Sky right? Um, play into Supergirl and them wondering what's going on. Legends, I don't know how they're going to play into it. Yeah, and Legends may not. Yeah. Legends is the one show that technically doesn't have to. Um, but you know, and I think as well as I do, that the Legends will factor into it. Oh, they year. will. They absolutely will. If they're doing Crisis, they're going to bring every character they can into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Legends is absolutely going to play a part in Crisis. It's just a matter of how, um, you know, not to mention the fact that we got that a couple seasons ago, we got that whole audio recording. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, so th the legends are absolutely going to play into it. We just don't know how. But you're right. When it comes to setting up those teasers for the next season, uh, if they do it, they, they might not do any of this stuff. Um, you're right. The Legends is the one show that might be immune to be to having to do that. Yeah. But again, you know, like I said, the Flash this week, it was a very by the numbers kind of thing where it just kind of felt like everything got patched up all nice and tidy. And, you know, nothing really kind of came of anything except we know how they're going to destroy the dagger. We did see that quick like post post credit shot of, you know, Grace there kind of putting together a device. And then we see Orlin over her shoulder. I'm like, what the hell is yeah, going that, on? That was my reaction too. I was like, uh, all right. But, but it was one of more of apathy than kind of like, Ooh, interesting. You know, it was just like, no, please no more. Well, it, it, I don't want two of them. Could it <laughs> so. be that Orlin's still alive or is this something that could simply be in her head? I think it's in her head. Okay. So I think it's really more, more or less in her head. So, uh, so I'm curious to see how it's going to play. I, I generally don't have any any idea on how it's going to play out, but yeah. very curious to see. But I'm pretty sure the cicada of it all ends next week. I hope so. Uh, I, I do. Um, because it makes the most sense for it to end next week. And that could be something that happens is maybe Nora ends up killing Cicada and it's pushes her over the edge. And that could be interesting. Yeah, possibly. So. Um, I think uh, on top of uh, you know outside of that, I, it was just, it was a lot of fun watching the um, uh, Cisco and Sherlock interact with each other because it, it seeing Carlos and Tom Cavanaugh interact with each other is always a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, seeing that seeing Sherlock being the holographic Flash was hysterical. Uh, that was a great scene. That was really <laughs> wonderful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I really don't know what else they're really is to talk about with this episode. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we definitely get that hint that Cisco is going to be done being vibe by season's end, and really, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, some feedback online. Uh, both of them come from Shad. <laughs> uh, oh, all, in all caps, oh my gosh, no more cicadas. <laughs> uh, but the other one he mentioned, too, that completely got through me, and then I had to go back and look it up, uh, he says that Gail Simone Easter egg. Oh yeah, that was great. The the G Simone Associates at yeah. the very beginning of the episode that made me made me smile. I yeah. loved that. Uh, it, for so. some reason, it completely passed me by the first time I heard it. I think there was also a street name where they brought up like thirty fourth of Williamson, which is obviously uh, you know uh, Williamson, who was the creator of like Godspeed and was the head Flash writer uh, during the New Fifty Two. So I, I so Josh Williamson yeah. and I love the fact too. We might have talked about this on that episode, but uh, in the Godspeed episode, I just love the fact that Williamson was like, "Oh my god." Like, my character is on television right now. Yeah. I think you might so have brought that cool. up. Yeah, yeah, which was fantastic. So, yeah. But, yeah, that kind of does it for The Flash. Um, like I said, we did get another great Papa Joe speech, which was one of the best ones we've gotten in a long time, which uh, I always – I it always makes my heart happy. So Yes. Uh, but, yeah, you know, um, beyond that, uh, uh, yeah, that, that that's, that's it. But I can bring up at least the shortest of the synopsis for the season finale right now. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, the Flash uh, season finale this year is titled Legacy and says Barry faces off with his oldest and most formidable ne uh, nemesis, the Reverse Flash. And Good enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and look into this week's episode of The Flash. It's the penultimate uh, of the season. The girl with the red lightning, as you had mentioned, Team Flash is on high alert after Cicada 2 threatens to unleash a dangerous virus that would put all metahumans at risk. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But um, I, one of the things I will say I hope we get only because of a particular scene of this season, uh, whether it be next week or in the finale, I thought there was announcing that we were going to get it, but we haven't seen it yet. Are we going to meet Sue? Uh, Sue Dibney? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this year or next, so who knows? Because they, they uh, kind of play with that a little bit. They did talk a little bit about, like, Ralph, when are you going to find love? So I would love to see that her get introduced in the finale. Uh, I think that would be great. Yeah, I would really, I, I really do too. be pumped. And that was just a fun scene between him and Daniel Panabaker, too. It's just like, I don't think about you that way. <laughs> Ew, that's Ew, gross. No. <laughs> that was a lot uh, it was of fun. fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, um, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the uh, the breakdowns of this week's episode. Uh, we're already in an hour and a half, but that's... Well, uh, hey, you know, it's it's all good because... News uh, is because short. We, talk, uh, we have one story left to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so uh, might as well go I, for we, it. We already talked about the uh, the synopsis is coming up, but uh, James Gunn has cast uh, David uh, Dismulchin as the Polka Dot Man for Suicide Squad. So obviously uh, we everybody knows him from Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. As well as uh, he was in The Dark Knight and was Abracadabra in The Flash. So uh, we'll be seeing him join the ranks. And it sounds like we'll be hearing very, very soon of the female casting for Ratcatcher. So it sounds like we'll find out very, very much down the road about that one. That was the other one. I knew there was another character that was being cast and i couldn't remember what it yes. was yeah so we did find out that it's going to be a female playing rat catcher so that'll be the i think uh something new because it's uh, normally been a uh, male character in the comics so uh very cool that they're kind of flipping that on its head but uh, my guess is we'll hear about that in about a week or so and it sounds like we're we we're we're on the line of being uh hearing some imminent news about uh matt reeves batman uh sounds like probably in the next month or two it sounds like we may have an actor so yeah, it's I'm I'm curious where they're where they're gonna go with their casting with it. But uh some of the rumors out there, man, like Army Hammer, I think would be good and uh I don't know, man. I'm still excited for who we're getting for Titans playing Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped on that one too. Ian Glenn's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So. Exactly. Uh cool. So that being said, let's throw out some recommendations, some cheap plugs, and we can get going for the day. Um, you know what? I mentioned it at the top of the at the top of the podcast when we were talking about your trip to Iceland. So I'm going to use it as my recommendation. If you have not yet seen it or uh, even seen the film, what we do in the shadows, the television series. You don't have to have seen the film to to get the series. It would help, but you don't have to. And man, that series—it's only six episodes in—keeps getting better and better. And this past week's episode, Baron's Night Out, I was howling through half of that episode. Oh, it was so funny. It was so good. So damn funny. Um, It's British humor, so take that when you go into it. British humor is not always for everyone. It's a little drier, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, Matt Berry uh, is one of my favorite actors in that show. Like, he cracks me up. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's such a fun, fun show. I... I, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'm going to go into that. with That's my recommendation this week as well. If you haven't given it a shot, it's six episodes in. Uh, it's you know 22-minute format. Uh, it's super fun, though, and it, it's hysterical. At least give it a handful of episodes because it's just 
It's ridiculous. It is so wonderfully ridiculous. <laughs> the last couple of weeks between the animal control episode had me dying. <laughs> the too. animal control episode when he gets caught as a bat is just, oh my god! Uh, it, the dirty hat from the club the week before that. Oh, the, was cur- great. the cursed hat. The yeah, cursed the cursed hat. The cursed witch's hat. Yeah. Oh my god, um, dude! Like it just but, it, Nick Kroll had me dying in that episode too. Yeah, I mean, it was so funny. But just like uh, I mean, and the week before that with um. The oh god, what kind of vampire is he? The, with him and uh, when oh, oh oh the 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 uh the the energy vampire the energy and vampire yeah Colin Colin Robinson yeah <laughs> so. when they were uh him and the other girl that he works with when they were fighting off of each other it was just oh my god like it th- there's so much brilliance to the show if you're into that kind of humor and it's just it's it's brilliant it, it's so funny it's it it's got so much dust. <sighs> It, it wears its humor on its sleeve, and it, it, I would say 95% of every joke lands in that show. I mean, like, and it, yeah, and if it you're, does such a good job. If you're not familiar with the, sh- with the premise of the show, it's basically like a documentary-style show about vampires uh, living in Staten Island. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the quickest and that simplest way you could put it. Right, and it's it's wonderful. I, the cast is, is, is phenomenal, and they, they all do such heavy lifting, and they do such a great job. Uh, it's uh, Taika Watare, who is uh, the writer and director of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, is and Korg, uh, yeah, and Korg from <laughs> from from, from uh, Thor Ragnarok as well. So. Yeah, but super fun, man. It's it was really really thoroughly enjoyable. And and the uh, also from um, Flight of the Concords, uh, Jeremy uh, yes. Clement. Yeah, Jeremy Clements, uh, who was uh, also um, the voice of the giant crab, uh, Moana. Top, uh, yeah, from Moana, Tomatoa. Uh, yep. Yeah, so. Um, uh, but I, yeah, man, it's just a fun show. Like I said, if you need a good like palate cleanser, uh, also as a reminder too, if you're not watching it, get off your ass, watch Doom Patrol because uh, we're only down to the last handful of episodes on that too, which means uh, uh, we'll be talking about that relatively soon. I think it's got three weeks left to go, I believe. Uh, uh, this episode was episode 12 and there's 15. Yep, so three episodes yeah, left. Three episodes still left to go. So um, that means we'll probably be diving in to annuals very very soon and the question is so we'll figure out if we're going to do our annuals first and then talk to patrol or what but yeah we'll be uh we'll be diving into things uh relatively soon so now is the time to start catching up yeah we've got uh it's uh, we've got some plans already i mean we've got a couple more weeks uh two or three more weeks of shows to talk about and then it's going to be annuals and or doom patrol whichever order we do uh so it's you know we've got the two of them to get through uh, which is going to uh, take us a couple weeks, and then uh, probably well, we also the, have the, the Primer Awards. And we got the premiere of the Swamp Thing to talk about, too, yep. uh, at the very end of the month. So uh, expect a kind of interesting, different pattern, because we're going to probably do an episode purely talking about Swamp Thing, which I think we should try to drag our good friend Paul in. Oh, uh, for sure. Because, yeah. uh, to, to talk about the premiere episode of that, and then uh, we'll, uh, well, we'll I mean- launch... If you think about it, like the the season finale of Legends and and Supergirl that week, that is technically the finale of our winter season. Yeah, we go into our we we then the following week after that, whether it's the annuals or Doom Patrol, that's the that's the season premiere of our summer season. Yeah. So, so we'll figure out we'll figure out where the primer awards fits in. We maybe maybe it's smart for us to wait until Swamp Thing has a chance to wrap up because it's only ten episodes and. Maybe we can put that in the mix. It's a big wait and see. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, because it's not going to be just the main four shows that we talk about. We're also going to talk about season one of Titans is going to be eligible, I think, in that 
um, as is Doom Patrol, because it makes a lot of sense to talk about these shows in this mix. So maybe I mean, uh, maybe it's time. Maybe, you know, we'll have to discuss doing the primer awards maybe in like August before the shows come back. Yeah, maybe right right before the start of the new seasons, I think is a perfect time. Yeah, because so. then by then you're right. Swamp Thing will be a contender. Titans will be a contender. Young Justice could be a contender. Uh, yeah. We'll see how everything plays out. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's I think that's it. Well, cheap plugs. And then yeah. we're, we're getting out. Uh, but as always, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, uh, the next level network dot com, Facebook dot com slash the next level network. And of course, the Facebook page for this podcast in which we encourage you to leave us feedback under our feedback posts, uh, comments and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Facebook dot com slash DC primetime. And as always, you can also find me at the Caffeine Crew Cast Pods over at thenextlevelnetwork.com. Our last episode that was up, uh, I don't even remember what it was anymore. It's Disney. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, was it Disney Part 2? I, th- I think it uh, was. I think so? I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit. It, I mean, again, we, we should have had a brand new episode up uh, about a week ago. Um, but again, with vacation and all that you stuff. You had your trip, yeah. It makes it a little tricky. So, yeah, no, that was Disney Part yep. 2. Disney Part um, 2 of the Mousening. So our next episode that will be recorded, will, originally was going to be this week, but unfortunately uh, we, we had a, some family stuff happen uh, that is going to delay some things. So, um, But we will be coming back next week. Uh, we'll record, and that is going to be Extinct Geekdoms. So expect some discussions of things like... Uh, Saturday morning cartoons going bye-bye and arcade culture and all of these things. So I think it'll be an interesting kind of jump in and talk about some of those pieces. That might be a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, knowing us, that means it'll be three and a half hours. No. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, most likely. Uh, but yeah, we got that. And I think after that, I think we're going to be doing bo- uh, body positivity and geekdom, which I'm looking forward to tackling that one, which will be a perfect time as we get ready to head into summer. So Yeah, for sure. Um but yeah, so I think that's going to uh, wrap it up. I know, uh, do you want to give a plug to George? I know you usually do. And I. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my brain's still no, like, that's I'm why, still jet lagged. That's why <laughs> so. I was just reminding you. And a good thanks to our good friend George Shaw. At georgeshawmusic.com, you can hear his tunes each and every week on this podcast. Make sure to head over to his website, check out his SoundCloud, and support him any way that you can. Cool. Uh, so special thanks again once to all of you guys for being a part of this family, for being, for commenting, liking, subscribing, all the stuff that you do. Some cool stuff coming in the summer months, which we, you know, we just talked to you about. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode, uh, for this this issue of DC Primetime. So, uh, until next time, we'll see you guys down the road. Take care. Peace. Peace.